Section seven of the Dead Devil of the Army Experiences as a Buzzer and Dispatch Rider by Austin Patrick Corcoran. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter four in which the wireless comes into its own on the British front. Part one it was during the battle of lewes that some gentlemen entitled to think only important people have that privilege in the army decided it was high time that the british forces took advantage of mr marconi's invention true wireless had not been unknown in the world military indeed its introduction there practically coincided with its debut in civil life but so far the appointed controllers of the signal service destinies had looked on the interloper with disfavour they preferred the time-honoured method of the regular telephone which had weathered so many a test but which alas collapsed so often in a crisis our friend fritz on the contrary had shown no such tender prejudice always the leader in military fashions he had been using the wireless telephone from the very start in his communications and always presumably with excellent results wherefore it was decreed to offer him the delicate compliment than which there is none more delicate or sincere of imitating him in this particular line so at Lewes we started also with excellent results whence hangs the rest of our tale justified by the experiment the aforesaid gentleman or his friends decided to elaborate and extend the new system thereby initiating a minor revolution in the methods of the royal engineer signal service immediately there went forth a call for qualified men for the work post officers private wireless companies telegraph officers were combed for operators already familiar with the intricacies of the morse code or the rudiments of the more necessary radio work the small schools which had formerly turned out the insignificant body of army operators were enlarged beyond all expectation a new curriculum was chosen and a new standard set calling for very definite and very high qualifications on the part of the graduates the new army operator had to be able to send and receive the morse code at the rate of twenty-five words a minute english or twenty words code and foreign languages as a matter of fact fifteen was about as rapid as he could use though he might need twenty in times of particular stress no chances however were taken in the matter of speed then he had to be able to assemble and dismantle a standard marconi set he had to be able to hoist and strike steel aerial poles he had to have a working knowledge of a trench set and a thorough knowledge of army procedure 
this course took him anywhere from two to three months to cover according to his native ability and the extent of his previous knowledge that knowledge indeed was usually small for the average englishman had seldom indulged in these semi-scientific studies his american cousin with his natural aptitude for these abstruse subjects is far ahead of him here indeed judging by a short but close connection with radio sections of the american army which i have had since my advent in the united states i should be inclined to predict that in this branch of the service the american boy will beat all comers still allowing for this general innate disinclination few britishers would not prefer a bayonet to a wireless box our schools did rapid and efficient work soon qualified men were pouring over to france meantime behind the firing line we were preparing officers to receive them all signal officers who could be spared from brigade and division headquarters and who of course were already familiar with telegraphy and circuits were sent behind the line for a three weeks course which would give them sufficient knowledge of the work to enable them to command a radio section until regular radio officers were ready to take their places and every officer on the line who showed any knowledge of wireless was brought back to act as instructor in the new schools during my short stay at the depot in england i had confessed in an incautious moment to having done some wireless work in school now i was to reap the consequences of my indiscretion in the army as in the law courts everything you say can be used against you besides i was still a cook's tourist with no fixed abiding place so presently i found myself departing from my small command with a ticket for general headquarters way back beyond the line st omer was the nearest station but my billet was at roquetoire in a chateau which housed the school as well as the scholars here our work was conducted with that apparent absence of effort which seems to characterize all activities in the environment of the high command in the morning we went on excursions always carrying our little wireless sets with which we experimented in the pleasantest spots to be found in the surrounding country or we had rather informal discussions on elementary electrical subjects which were never prolonged beyond three thirty in the afternoon after that hour our time was our own to be disposed of according to our inclinations were it not for the omnipresence of certain red-tabbed gentlemen in whose presence discreet behaviour was advisable this period might have marked a high water mark in the way of amusements st omer was a pleasant place and quite close when one possessed a motorcycle but those red-tabbed gentlemen and the generals they surrounded 
were very numerous on its crooked old streets too numerous from the point of view of a mere subaltern still one can't expect unalloyed delights at least the guns were far distant they no longer disturbed our sleep and the beds boasted clean linen and there was hot water for our baths and we ate our meals off a dining-table and never extracted them from a can indeed on the whole we had reason to be grateful to the gentleman above mentioned who not only possessed but used his privilege of individual thought it was not long before the wireless system developing with that miraculous rapidity which characterises all developments in a modern fighting army had established itself as an important not to say indispensable part of every section of the british forces in france in the trenches with the guns on the aeroplanes at headquarters in short everywhere the radio had its definite place and different form according to the exigencies of the position assigned to it during the great retreat its role with the infantry was practically monopolised by a few motor lorry sets which though small had played a significant part to the casual observer these are no more than ordinary trucks the bodies of which are limited by the small space of twelve feet by six as a matter of fact they are extraordinarily compact and ingenious contrivances an entrance to which is effected from the rear looking in from here one sees at the far end a bench about three feet high by four feet deep above and below which are placed complicated instruments recognizable only to the initiated along the sides of the truck run lockers about eighteen inches high by eighteen deep in which are neatly stowed various poles of various lengths to be taken out as occasion requires underneath the truck is stored another set of these poles for this can be used either as a mobile or fixed station and different requirements demand different apparatus one might imagine that all this paraphernalia would take up all the small available space not so however there were still two operators to fit in one for receiving and transmitting the messages the other for logging filing and distributing this latter function was discharged usually by orderlies four or five of whom as a rule followed outside on bicycles whenever a message had to be delivered to a commanding officer within the truck sector one of these men rode off with it a very easy job compared with that of the men inside the truck quiet you know is considered essential for an operator's work as a rule but quiet was the last thing these operators could hope to have to being with there was the incessant noise from the automobile engine then there was the continual bumping over the uneven french roads 
lastly there was the roar of the guns in the distance and not the dim distance either very often there was an operator once whose truck was hit by a shell a flying splinter from the wagon caught him in the foot but he stuck to his job though in terrible pain how could he leave it with no relief nearby i don't know how long it was before that relief finally came but there was another man whose relief failed him for some thirty-nine hours from seven o'clock one morning until ten the next night he sat in his wagon in his horribly cramped position never taking the phones from his ears a superman if you will there were many of them in those days the early days the dark days when one man did the work of many when we were fighting an army of fully equipped millions with only thousands to hold them off days that are gone thank heaven for good but to come back to our motor lorry wireless sets with the finish of the moving fighting they went temporarily out of use trench wireless apparatus became the great need now the old telephone was good but so long as communications depended on cable that a chance shell might at any moment cut so long were the communications undependable and therefore dangerous a portable wireless for front-line use that a single man could carry that would not be a tempting target for machine-gun fire that would not be easily disabled even by the bursting of a shell that was the instrument which the experimenters aimed at and it was evolved by slow degrees in its final form which it did not assume till some months later it consisted of a box eighteen inches by nine weighing just fifteen pounds and having a range easily of five miles i remember when the first experiments were made with this set some distance back of the line they took the form of contests between the wireless and the old telephone a detachment of each would start off from a trench as if during an actual engagement to a position some five hundred yards off then each would do his utmost to establish communications in the shortest possible time the men being on their mettle did their best but from the first the wireless man won usually by an average of some thirty seconds no small consideration in actual warfare when perhaps it is a question of holding conquered ground against strong resistance the instrument being thus perfected and the operators trained the wireless telephone took its place on the line now when the tommy advances to an attack there is always a radio man somewhere in the rear where formerly a detachment had to reel out hundreds and hundreds of yards of cable to establish telephonic communication between the new positions and the old now an operator picks up his box and his aerial and advances simultaneously with the attackers 
arrived he crouches in a nearby crater throws out his aerials along the ground and establishes communications forthwith the infantry is gaining he follows right along the infantry is retreating he beats it back behind them so has the wireless simplified matters along the line with the air service it is naturally of infinitely more importance here however it was always in use being essential to the success of the work the aviator has been called the eyes of the army but if those eyes lacked a mouth through which to tell what they have seen they would often be just as useful if blindfold suppose a spotter has gone up to locate an enemy battery that has been creating havoc along our line suppose he locates it a difficult business in these days of effective camouflage naturally it is out of sight both for our guns and their forward observation officers it is the spotter's business then to give our artillery the range and direct their fire this he does by means of his wireless apparatus having given them the approximate distance he signals down go they fire it is a cloudy day and they use high explosive which giving out a yellowish puff is undistinguishable to the airman's eye back he signals shrapnel this gives out a white cloud of smoke they fire again he sees it but the shot goes over the target and a couple of hundred yards to the right by means of a code he tells them the approximate distance by which they have missed they fire again somewhat nearer but not yet right he signals again they shift their range according to his instructions so it continues until finally he flashes the letter z in artillery parlance they have hit and this is only one detail of the work the air wireless does it is invaluable for the aviator's operations but we have not yet reached the end of the radio's activities back at army headquarters where enemy shells do not often fall the aerial raises a high and honoured head here is situated a large marconi station the chief duties of which are the intercepting of enemy communications and the taking of aircraft reports with this too are connected smaller sets at brigade and so on up to the trenches where they ultimately get in touch with our tiny portable boxes thus does wireless as well as cable telephone link up the whole line there was a captious gentleman once who complained that much activity was wasted by this chain of ever greater sets of wireless apparatus why not he asked replace them all by one large set close to the line which could link them all up at once with general headquarters in the rear 
much time he argued could thus be saved his suggestion was adopted i remember the occasion quite distinctly the station was erected it consisted of a motor lorry set one and a half kilowatts a one hundred and twenty foot steel mast an umbrella aerial with a complement of three operators for two hours it reared its undiminished head then overcame one of those unsanctified five point nine shells and presently we were witnessing the ungodly sight of the lorry set the steel mast the umbrella aerial and the three operators being shot skyward to various points of the compass presumably they have descended since but i saw no evidences of their fall they were scattered too far and wide to leave any traces thus was the captious gentleman answered out of the mouth of the enemy guns so we resumed our tiresome chain of ever larger wireless sets and saved ourselves much expense and many lives the fickle masters of my destiny suddenly deciding that i had rested sufficiently long at rocatoire i was soon taking a hasty and none too reluctant farewell of that village and its many red-tabbed visitors my orders were to proceed south to a brigade situated somewhere near albert i set out under a glorious sky on a very good road and my instructions allowing some elasticity of interpretation in the matter of time i made no haste to reach the scene of unpleasant action the theatre of war had no attractions for me now the set pieces had gone stale and such surprises as it staged at times were not of a nature calculated to allure at st paul an old stamping-ground i delayed till the last minute but soon the seventy-odd miles that separated me from my station had sped by under the smooth wheels of my all-too-swift car so here i am again supernumerary signal officer still attached to a unit that i may not claim as my own oh the joys of the tourist a la cook i am to assist the brigade signal officer with the telephonic communications but as these consist mainly in superintending the wiring of places that are very seldom shelled and more seldom hit or the receiving of messages concerning the company's foot and underwear i am liable to have much leisure on my hands my masters however have foreseen such a contingency and duly forestalled any designs that his satanic majesty might have had on my idle hands our radio system being still far from perfect i am to devote my odd moments to experimentation with the same those odd moments are more easily counted as ours the Bosch is behaving with extraordinary restraint, 
and we are most carefully doing nothing to provoke his sleeping wrath to one accustomed to a war atmosphere blue with smoke and shrill with screams there is something uncanny in the calm monotony that characterises activities down here there is the same routine in the trenches so far as the tommies are concerned four days in billets four along the line rising at stand two in the dim grey dawn filling sandbags cleaning rifles taking a turn at listening post an occasional excursion across no man's land when the night is dark and the enemy quietly at rest stirs the blood and makes a break in the monotony but even these sallies rarely result in a real scrap the object is rather to avoid such a clash and the hope merely to take some unwary prisoner from whom we may elicit information regarding his superior's plans for the rest there is the waiting endless hopeless for what heaven only knows poker proves a preventative for many a fit of the blues cursing is the safety valve if the fit gets fastened on one there is some desultory betting on the direction of the shells between gamblers whom the chance of being hit does not even excite bet you the next one gets that old stump challenges jones his chum as a kindness takes him on bet you it it's the heap of stones but so long has one to wait for it to hit anywhere that the bet is all but forgotten when it falls some men of more domestic or more greedy natures turn their attention to the inner man in my strolls through the trenches i come on some of these venturesome people trying to vary the monotony of bully beef by devices learned presumably from nature herself a little strategy and foresight exerted when in billets provides the wherewithal for the experiments when one knows how to handle madame the redoubtable the parsimonious one may gather such luxuries as potatoes or eggs with which to swell the regular larder for instance a sack of the former may be extracted as the price for cutting up her stock of precious wood or mending her windows removed suddenly by a shell or finding tarpaulin to cover the air holes in her roof and with potatoes one may concoct that delectable dish known on the line as cottage pie a layer of bully chopped fine overlaid by a layer of potatoes mashed to a pulp the whole baked in a mess tin over a fire bucket that is a recipe to be relished by any regular it was the smell of it that lured an unlucky private one day from his traverse into a neighbouring one where it was cooking it was dinner hour twelve a m in the trenches his meal was the bully and biscuits cold 
so he decided evidently to cadge if he could cottage pie have ye he said casually strolling up to the six fortunate tommies who were sitting round their fire bucket devouring it my eye but some blokes is lucky where did ye get the spuds back in the billets old dear a long pause through which the visitor waited patiently ever bit it came at last with reluctance people should provide their own luxuries or do without the tardiness of the invitation however in no wise discouraged the intruder i don't mind if i do he decided sitting down a long silence broken only by such sounds as are not prescribed in the books of etiquette to accompany a man's meals then suddenly the silences were broken the bosch chooses unfortunate times to get busy there was a prolonged hiss quite close to the ear a bang followed by a cloud of smoke and up spattered the earth over our seven silent friends covering them with stray bits of mud a pipsqueak had hit the trench in a second it was all over recovering they looked round and at the end of the traverse they saw the visitor lying sidewise a mess tin still clutched in his hands got is commented one man who had gone to turn him over why the l didn't he stay where he belonged even with a surplus on our hands we waste no time on sentimentality callousness does not necessarily decrease with the size of the casualty list ours is a very small one indeed for days not a single case will come into the casualty clearing station a happy change from those times when we had sixty thousand in less than a week sometimes it is the bosch laxity and sometimes a lucky chance that saves the life on our side one day suffering i suppose from a sudden attack of the old hate the gentleman sent two hundred and eighty shells flying into the little village of bienvillers which is a few kilos away from our quarters and not a single soul did he send to heaven but another evening he hurled a big bertha just one solitary piece of explosive right into the middle of the square he timed it and aimed it well for we were holding a band concert at the moment and all the happy harmless villagers were disporting themselves in the open thirty dead and more wounded was the toll that shell took such are the unpleasant surprises on the line but on the whole we have no reason to complain for which we have to thank our friends the saxons they we are assured on good authority are our opponents on this particular part of the line an amiable race judging from their attitude towards us 
we ascribe those sudden fits of temper to the arrival of visiting prussian officers grim gentlemen with a fondness for fireworks meantime we are discovering the virtues and vices of our new radio system of communications we had begun by using a perpendicular aerial which stuck its head rather too prominently over the parapet thereby incurring all the hardships and hazards that had made life insecure for our old cable occasionally it stood for days but this was due to the bosch indifference when they woke up its short span was measured in minutes a most undependable contrivance but we had taken no risks with it as yet and we had leisure to look for a substitute this was presently evolved in the form of ground aerials that lying along the earth were practically indistinguishable and therefore as safe a system as could be found a very excellent thing indeed we found mr marconi's invention when adapted to our peculiar requirements its chief charm of course lay in its extreme simplicity a quality which unfortunately acted as a boomerang at times put it in the hands of an experienced gentleman operating behind our lines with the object not of helping but of hindering us and its charm took on a different aspect there were many of these gentlemen in the old days in france most ingenious and elusive people they proved to be disturbing stories of their versatility used to float towards us at times borne on those strange news currents that spring up along the line positive genius characterizes some of their activities the palm in this particular goes i think to the individual whose tale i am now going to tell there was a subaltern on our side a youngster just out who was suffering from a bad attack of souvenir mania the malady being rather general he was for ever in danger of having a curio pinched from his collection consequently when he became possessed of a bosch rifle and bayonet he made haste to put it in safe hiding for this purpose he chose the chimney of his billet bedroom whence hangs the thread of this tale putting his hand up the chimney to find a resting place for the butt of his rifle he was surprised to find it touching a pole of bamboo he pulled the pole came then stuck and no pulling could bring it any farther being curious by nature as well as by training he determined to investigate which led him to the roof it was a typical roof of a french provincial house flat with a chimney protruding at each end and a slight elevation of the wall above the gutter the first thing to catch his eye when he reached it was a set of wires lying close to the surface 
one ran from chimney to chimney it was an open wire the other which was insulated adjoined this at right angles at the centre and ran toward the side of the house the first wire he found on closer inspection stretched not only up to but into the chimney running up its side in a neatly made groove he gave it a tug and up came a bamboo pole it took very few seconds for him to reach the street he was young and extremely excited he was in a hurry to find somebody in authority to whom he might report and by good luck came on a staff officer walking through the town i wonder if you could give me a moment sir he began breathlessly saluting to come up to my roof there's dirty work i think sir being done there oh said the red-tabbed one not particularly excited he had heard such breathless tales before and what might it be an aerial sir so far as i can judge good lud come along let's have a look they went off together and were presently on the roof you're right sonny said the officer after a few seconds inspection that's what it is i wonder where's the rest now you follow that wire he pointed to the one that was insulated that's the feeding wire for this aerial i should say the boys set to work he found that the wire entered a drain at the back of the house reappeared at the bottom then vanished through the wall so far it was easy but no rummaging seemed to unearth the rest where the dickens was the instrument finally he decided that there was nothing for it but to dig through this process performed he found himself in a cellar and also at the end of his search for here buried deep under a pile of dirt and straw was a very neat very complete german wireless apparatus it was even equipped with a zinc box round the spark gap to prevent any crackling of the transmissions being heard hmm said the staff officer and who the devil works this run and fetch me monsieur what you call em the owner of your billet my boy after twenty minutes search the boy returned can't find him sir and no one seems to know where he has gone they're so stupid don't seem to understand me so far as i know no one has found him since he was a short stocky gentleman with a bullet head and shrewd eyes contrary to all custom it was now remembered he had offered no objections to excuses when they requisitioned his house the best in the town and therefore the obvious billet for the officers on the contrary he had always exerted himself to make his guests cosy and comfortable though unobtrusive he had been exceedingly attentive which perhaps 
ought to have aroused suspicion how he ever managed to hoist the aerial remains a mystery to this day probably he climbed out of his attic at dusk when the officers were at the mess dining but that is only guesswork the rest is fact end of section seven